0: Good morning. It is good to see you this morning. We are so glad that you're here, all of you at home. We're glad you're joining us in worship. Let's begin by listening to the word of the Lord from Luke 9, 62. And you'll see that on the screen behind me. Jesus said to him, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God of God. Okay, I want to start this morning by talking about a poem that I first read in college. And those of you who are watching online, if you could see the excitement on people's faces right now, when I said we're starting with a poem, the the energy in here is electric. Okay, so this is also a poem, it's written by Robert Burns, a Scottish man, and it's written in a Scottish dialect, for those of you who want to amp up the excitement. It's called, To a Mouse, On Turning Her Up in Her Nest with the Plow, November 1785. It's a contemporary piece that we're going to look at. Here we go, the opening lines. We sleeket cauren timorous beastie. Oh, what a panics in thy breastie. Now let me pause right there and say I can already imagine the conversations that you're going to have with friends later this afternoon when they say, so, um, what did your preacher talk about today? And you say... Uh, Well, he started with a 240-year-old poem in a sketchy Scottish dialect about a mouse and a plow, but I really liked it and wanted more. I am glad to hear you say that. So I'm going to give you a little more. So this classic poem starts out after he's upended this mouse in her house, and it's in November. And he addresses the mouse. Here's the modern English, the little cunning, cowering, timorous beast. And he starts to reassure the mouse, hey, I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm not going to kill you. I'm not going to come after you with the paddle of my plow. And then he moves to sympathy and apology because he realizes that this mouse has probably spent a long time preparing the little mouse house getting ready for winter and in a moment right at the beginning of winter that house has turned up only the problem is the things that that mouse could easily find in the summer and the in the fall the straw and the grass it's not so easy to find anymore and so he's feeling sorry for this mouse but then burns realizes that this isn't just A story of this little creature. But he starts to see that it's a story for all creatures. So let me me read a little more from the, the modern English translation. But mouse, you are not alone. Improving foresight may be vain. The best laid schemes of mice and men. Go off to rye. Have you heard that one? It's where it comes from. And leave us nothing but grief and pain for promised joy. Getting kind of heavy here, right? We plot and we plan and we strategize and we scheme, and then 2020 happens. And the beginning of 2021 happens. And for almost all of us, none of that was in our plans. Was in the way that we anticipated things would happen. And all the schemes and all the ways that we tried to prepare. And then something drops in the middle of all of us. But then there's one more twist. At the beginning of the poem, he's feeling sorry for this mouse, but by the end of the poem, he starts to think, you know, in some ways, you're better set up for what's happened than me. Still, you are blessed compared with me. The present only touches you, but oh, I backward cast my eye on prospects dreary. And forward, though I cannot see, I guess and fear. There's a movie that came out about 17 years ago or so called The Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Did any of you see that movie? It's kind of a weird, trippy movie. But it is about two main characters, and really one. But it's about Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet. And they were in a relationship, and it started out wonderfully, and it started out beautifully, but over time, the relationship started to have trouble. And and the longer it went, the more trouble and and challenges they faced, and the more they they were fighting, and they forgot the reasons they got together in the first place, and they ended up breaking up. And Kate Winslet's character was so distraught over this failed relationship and the breakup that she decided to use a treatment. It's a fictional treatment, but it works in the movie where she can go to a place and they can target particular memories and erase them. And she chooses to have all of her memories of that relationship erased. It was too painful. She was stuck in that pain. She decided it'd be better if they could just take it all out. And in Carrie's Uh, character learns about this and of course he's distraught over the relationship and the breakup and now he's distraught over that and so he decides he's going to do the same thing he's going to have all of his memories erased but as he starts the process he starts to second guess that decision and and it's a whole series of stories of trying to trying to undo this process that he's started on but in many ways that movie is getting to the heart what Burns is talking about in this poem because as bad as it is for this mouse at the beginning of winter to have her house uh, turned up and nowhere readily available to stay he starts to think you know maybe you're blessed compared to us humans because the mouse does not have the capacity to do anything but live in the present but we can get stuck looking back we remember the pain we remember the heartache we remember all that it took to get that house ready and then it's 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 torn up and so we get stuck looking back and in the process we look ahead and we can't see the future but we sure can't imagine one, and sometimes when we're stuck in the pain of the past, then the only thing we can imagine looking forward is a fearful future. So I want to go back to the passage I started with from Luke nine sixty two. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand on the plow and then looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. But now I want to widen the view to get a better sense of the context of what's being discussed. So there's a couple of things that are helpful to know. And one is just a few verses earlier, we get to a critical turning point in the gospel of Luke. So in 951, Luke tells us this, as the time approached for him, for Jesus to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. The text literally says he set his face toward Jerusalem. It is a Hebrew phrase that means he's he's zeroing in on his purpose. He is absolutely focused on the direction that he needs to go. This is like if you're watching a sport and the announcer ta- starts to talk about okay, we're about to move from the regular season to the postseason, to the playoffs. And they say, this is what everyone has been playing for. This is what it's all been building to. It's a different game when you get to the postseason. It's a different game when you get to the playoffs. It's not as if everything that happened before doesn't matter, wasn't important, wasn't a part of a building block, but 951 is that turning point. Jesus has now set his face toward Jerusalem. And the attention sharpens and the pulse quickens and everything intensifies because we know what awaits in Jerusalem and it's all building toward Jerusalem and so immediately after we get a series of vignettes of what it means if you want to be a follower of Jesus a disciple of Jesus especially after he has now set his face toward Jerusalem, and everything has intensified. So we hear in 957, as they are what were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So I think it's fair for us to acknowledge that when we talk about being a disciple, when we talk about following Jesus, we can take it absolutely seriously, but we can't do that literally. Right? We can't literally walk with and behind Jesus, but they could. To do it literally meant... They had to take it very seriously. And Jesus is on the road. He's on the move. He's on the way to Jerusalem. His ministry has a lot of travel, and most people in the ancient world did not travel at all. It wasn't an easy thing to do. There weren't hotels on every corner in major cities. There weren't restaurants on all the corners. Sometimes you were dependent upon the people in a new town to make a place for you to stay or you had nowhere to stay. And Jesus says, you know, most of the time I don't have anywhere to lay my head. In fact, the story right before this, after Jesus sets his face toward Jerusalem, is a story where he is going through Samaria. And a lot of times we're used to hearing Samaritans as Heroic figures in stories, right? But this is a time when he goes through a village and Luke tells us that they did not welcome him because he's headed to Jerusalem. And the Samaritans and the Jews weren't always so fond of each other. And when it says they did not welcome him, it doesn't mean they didn't greet him. Well, hello, Jesus, glad to have you in our Samaritan village here. It means they didn't make room for him. They didn't make a place for him. They were not extending hospitality as was necessary for people traveling at that time. They didn't prepare a place. Perhaps they did not make any provisions available. Jesus and his disciples only had what they brought with him at the time and Jesus is letting him know if you want to follow me this is what's in store it's not just figurative it's literal I don't always even have a place to stay. so then verse 59 he said to another man follow me but he replied Lord first let me go and bury my father and Jesus said to him let the dead bury their own dead but you go And proclaim the kingdom of God. Again, following not figurative, it is literal, and it is immediate. Follow me now. Jesus knows where he's headed. He knows what's ahead. It's go time. And to bury one's parents in the ancient world, and we would say even today, but especially then, was a very important religious ritual and responsibility. This is not something you easily set to the side. Now, the way the scripture reads, and this passage reads, most scholars tend to think that the father was still alive in this story. Maybe nearing the end, but not yet at the end, which means there's time both to wait until he passes, and then all of the responsibilities and and rituals that come with burying him. And Jesus says, if you want to be my follower, it is an immediate call. This is, this is something that we know is for this person. This particular instruction is for this person at this time. It's, it's not like we today say, no, we're not going to take care of, of burying our loved ones who pass. We understand that this is immediate And this is contextual, but there is a lesson here. Sometimes following means hard decisions and prioritizing the most important even over the really important. And we have one more encounter, and it's the one we started with this morning, although I didn't include the first part in the earlier reading. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. And now you understand the context a little better. Saying goodbye to the family, that is a good thing. And in fact, there are other places in Scripture where we're reminded that taking care of our families is one of the highest priorities of living out our faith. When we shun our responsibilities of care for our family, it shows that we haven't fully understood what it means to be a Jesus follower. But at this time and in this instance, when following wasn't figurative, it was literal and immediate. Then we remember that sometimes following means hard decisions and prioritizing the most important. Even over the really important. Following means moving forward with Jesus in faith as our guide. And constantly looking back at the past is detrimental to our faith. And we know it's detrimental to our mental health, our life, our joy, purposeful living. Now, full confession, I've not done a lot of farming in my life, unless you include the terrarium I made in elementary using a two-liter bottle when we were trying to grow some flowers. And it may surprise you to know, for those of you who also were not farmers in here, you don't do a lot of plowing in terrariums. That's, that's a little difficult. Inside those little two liter bottles. But I understand this metaphor that when you start to plow, you've got to look ahead because when you start to look back, you start to wander all over the place. And even though I don't know plowing, I think some of this applies to driving. And here's a confession I've probably made before. I feel like I'm a good driver, but there is one thing that, that constantly is like a siren song. It calls for my attention. And that is when there is major construction going on and the engineers are doing some really impressive things to reroute traffic here and put a new thing there. And anyone who's lived in central Arkansas over the last decade knows there has been an endless amount of construction on our freeways and highways, right? So right now it's going on on Interstate 30, going over the river. It's also going on at 430, right near the Highway 10 exit, and I end up on that exit quite a bit. And so there is this frequent temptation for me as I'm driving to rubberneck and see, whoo, what are they doing now? Whoa, that looks really impressive. What the, oh, I see, I see the grade that they're going where, is that, is that a 20% grade? That's, that's really interesting. And I can wear my family out going, hey, I wonder what, they're, wonder what they're doing right there. And my family's like, I don't care. Why do you care? And I'm like, I don't know why I care, but I'm really drawn to this. I find it fascinating, but I know that if I want to get where I'm going, if I want to be safe, then I've got to resist some of those temptations to constantly look around or constantly look behind because it doesn't take long when, when you're, the, the road is going straight, but you start looking behind and you start to drift. Or you're looking behind and the road starts to curve, but you just keep going straight because you're not paying attention. Or traffic in front of you starts to stop, but you're not slowing down because you're not seeing the brake lights. All you see is what's going on around you. If we want to get to where we need to go, and get there in one piece, we know that we have to stay focused on what's ahead. And I want to think back to what Robert Burns says in his poem to a mouse that I started with. Because it's not always easy to stay focused on what lies ahead. Because unlike a mouse, we remember. And when we remember, sometimes we 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 relive the past pain and the past heartache and the struggles and the mess-ups. We relive the failure. Sometimes we relive the guilt and the shame. We think of ways that we failed in a relationship or we failed in our work or business. Something didn't go as we wanted. Something didn't go as we planned. We, we think of ways that we were disappointed by people or disappointed by church or disappointed by neighbors and we get stuck there. And as we get stuck in that past pain, then as Burns says, we can also look ahead and we can't see the future, but we sure can guess and fear. We've got an active imagination of everything that can go wrong and I'm so afraid of repeating what happened before, that maybe I should do nothing. Maybe I should invest less. Maybe, maybe I don't open myself up anymore because opening myself up just leads to more pain. But we also know the opposite can happen, too. Sometimes we get stuck looking to the past, but it's not past pain, it's past successes, past triumph. High water marks. Oh, those were the good old days. Man, wasn't it good back then? It is the cliche of the 45-year-old man still living in the glory of when he was 18 and on the football field in high school. It is that struggle of being in a relationship for a long time and opining for the days when you were dating because being in a marriage 8 years in the butterflies aren't always quite the same or 28 years in or 48 years in Ecclesiastes 7:10 warns us against that do not say why were the old days better than these the good old days the good old days that is not wise to ask such questions You may remember in Philippians 3, Paul talks about something similar, a similar shift in his thinking, because he lifts off, uh, lists off all of these accomplishments, all of these credentials, all of these things that would pad his resume as someone deep in the Torah and deep in the practices of the Jewish life, and they were really good, and he was really accomplished, and then he meets Jesus. He says, compared to Jesus, I I now consider those things rubbish. They're just not the same. And he talks about that he's not perfected in this life in God. We've always still got work to go. But in 3.13, he says, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now, what's interesting is throughout Scripture, we are encouraged to remember the past, but we're never asked to relive it or recreate it. We can learn from the past, but we can't live there. We can love the past, but we can't live there. We can loathe parts of our past, but we can't live there. And throughout this series, we've been focused on the unique challenges that we've experienced over the last 18 months. And coming out of the pandemic, or at least when I entitled it, I I thought, I hoped we were coming out of the pandemic. I may have been a little optimistic in my title, After the Storm, because it seems like the storm still has a little more left for us before we're done. But we've talked about this. Maybe you've used similar language. We've heard it a lot. There has been, there still is in many ways a desire to go back to life as normal. I just, I just want to go back to what was before all of this started. But the reality is, for good and for bad. No matter how easy the Marvel Avengers movies make it look, we cannot go back to the past. We cannot turn back the clock. Life and faith compel us forward. We can learn from the past. We can love the past. We can loathe the past. But the kingdom calls us to be faithful in the present, and follow Jesus every day toward God's future.